Hi everyone, welcome to Notes to My Legal Self. This is a place where we have conversations with in-house leaders uh, about things they care about. It turns out that in-house leaders care about all kinds of things. Yes, they care about law. Yes, they care about their careers. Yes, they have personal lives and yes, they have hobbies. This is where we share it all because in-house leaders are human first. And it's sometimes very helpful to see examples and learn tips and tricks and um, live the dream that you may have known what it is or discovered it in the process. Um, many of the conversations, the speakers who come to us, the guests who visit us are nominations from you. So I welcome you to, to provided new nominations, let me know who you want to learn from and who you want to invite on the show and have the conversation. I will ask our fantastic guest to introduce herself. I'm so excited about this conversation. Please introduce yourself. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Olga, for having me. This is truly fun, um, a little nerve wracking, but my name is Aparna Williams. Um, I'm currently the general counsel of Coal Fire Systems. And um, I am really excited to be here to chat through some things to uh, to help our next gen really uh, enhance, you know, their their skills and tools um, for being great in-house legal leaders. Tell us more, a little bit about the company, what it does, and you know, because not everybody may be familiar with it. Yeah, so um, so Coal Fire, we're we're a services company. We do um, IT, cybersecurity audits, assessments. Um, really, you know, hot topic right now. It's it's kind of my home. I've been in cybersecurity for 21 years. I don't love saying that number, but um, so, you know, if, if you have any needs for um, certifications, ISO, FedRAMP, SOC2, all the fancy acronyms, um, we're your firm. Oh, I love it. You weren't born a general counsel. You become a general counsel. <laughs> what was your road to becoming one? Um, I'm going to start with like just serendipity and dumb luck. Um, this is why I think this this conversation in particular, the topic that we picked is really important. Um, I'm coaching, which is, you know, another piece of networking and mentoring. Uh, I actually started out as a contracts negotiator. It was something that I sought out to do after law school. I had a very unique experience to go in-house directly um, out of school, which was something I had hoped to do. I just didn't know back then if it was an option. And, um, you know, my my... Manager and mentor will tell you she hired me off of half a resume. Um, I was exactly what she needed at the time. You know, just enough experience, not too much. Um, I stayed with the same company for 19 years, was able to change roles within that company, gain, you know, raise my hand every time someone said like, hey, who wants to do this? Um, becoming a general counsel wasn't even purposeful. I sort of just took it as I went, you know, started a family, um, decided was right for me at the time. What kind of challenge was I looking for? Um, if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have said I didn't want to be a general counsel. I loved being, you know, support. I loved being like a strong number two in a legal team. Uh, I would say just in the past year or so with all of the opportunities opening up, uh, especially with remote work and, and seeing all of the different companies that I could go to, um, if I was successful, that's really what urged me to take the challenge, take the plunge. Oh, I love that. We're gonna we're gonna talk more about that. Okay, nineteen years. We're gonna yeah. talk about that. Nineteen years. My oh, yeah. job has been five. So 
Tell me. <laughs> well, you- most people, you know, most people will stay in a job three to five years, I think is the average. You're supposed to change jobs or careers for between four and eight times. Thank in your you. Life. You're making me feel normal. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, um, I moved house a lot though. So I think instead of doing it on the job front, you know, I moved house like five times in six years. Um, so my job was my stability, but I just had an amazing um, set of management. All these opportunities came up. I was in, you know, a, the largest cybersecurity company in the world. And um, there just wasn't a reason to leave, uh, you know, and I wasn't complacent. I kept getting new opportunities. I kept, you know, getting more responsibility. Um, and honestly, you know, despite us being sold or if not for us being sold, I probably could still be there today. We could be going on 21 years. <laughs> that that is very interesting. I do find that is actually my observation that uh, I, in general people actually do switch up three to five years. Sometimes they just do it within the same company. Um, so that that's usually is the secret to staying somewhere yeah. for decades. Um, you also mentioned this hand raising thing. You know, something comes up and you raise your hand. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, it's either like the stupidest thing you could do or it's the smartest thing you can do. Right. But, um, I was very lucky that, you know, very early on in my career, I had people in the business because I was in house say to me, like, don't pass up any opportunity. Right. Even if you're scared to death of how, like how you're going to do this, just raise your hand and say, you'll do it. Because if you don't raise your hand, someone else will, they're going to get the opportunity. They're going to learn. And you're, you're just going to be left in the dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that saying yes to things that scare you sometimes is a yeah. thing to do. Um, I love it. So you recently become the general counsel. How did that happen? You know, <laughs> it's not the topic for today um, because I was going to focus on coaching, but I'll tell you how it happened. I have an amazing mentor. Um, so, you know, she's my fairy god mentor, as I call her. And I was not really looking for a new role, but she had come across a role that was in sort of like the whisper network. Um, she's an incredibly accomplished and fantastic general counsel. And she decided that, that role wasn't good f- for what she wanted next, but she actually whispered my name and said, I think I have someone who would be great for this. And lucky for me, um, she was right, and they thought she was right, and I ended up in a fantastic organization. I love it. I love so many things about this story, including women supporting women. Absolutely. I got my first and second general counsel position through a woman whispering my name. One was more senior to me, and one was more junior to me. So mm-hmm. you never know who's whispering. And yes, I'm well aware why we're here today. We will talk about coaching. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm up for anything, Olga. <laughs> you make it easy. Yeah, we we definitely going to go for it. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about non-legal skills, just sort of generally. Why are they important? You know, which, which ones are more important? And then maybe how do you get some? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, when we talk about things like soft skills and whatnot, right? Everybody hears these buzzwords, the soft skills, Empathy, you know, is a word that like, I really hope everyone actually understands in this day and age. Um, But I always said, you know, as I got more responsibility, as I was promoted, somebody trusted me to run a team and actually be someone's manager. And I was sitting there like, they didn't teach us this in law school. I do not know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I don't know how I'm supposed to do it. You know, like, am I going to be good at it? Am I going to be terrible? Am I a micromanager? Like, 
all these questions, you know, would just come flooding in. And yes, I read a ton of books because that's my comfort zone, right? I just go back to read when I don't know something. And so um, it really is just a journey. I think you have to be really open to learning these new skills. So, you know, law school doesn't teach you to be a manager, doesn't teach you project management, doesn't teach you how to be a coach or a mentor. You know, we learn all of these really practical skills. Um, but just like a doctor needs to learn bedside manner, uh, I, I think as lawyers, we have to learn all the things that go around dealing with people. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny you said you cope with stress by reading. I usually say I cope with stress by Googling. Uh, <laughs> I think for those of us who graduated to work law school, there is a comfort in seeing words on the page. Yeah. Uh, it's a security blanket. You mentioned some words uh, around being a mentor and coach. Um, so those are different things. What is the difference? Yeah, I mean, it. it I had a really fun path on learning the difference. Um, I tried to run a mentor program and I was squishing people together who I thought wanted to talk about the same things and whatnot. Um, what I learned is you can't force mentoring. Mentor is a very organic relationship. Usually you find someone in your journey. And like you said, they could be more senior, they could be junior. And this is a person who just really, you know, you, you click with and they help you through all of the things, right? The hard decisions, right? I, I never make a career move without talking to my mentor. Um, I think I talked to my mentor before having a child, right? So this is a really special relationship in your life. And it usually happens very organically. Um, coaching though is really cool because it doesn't require a forced relationship and it doesn't require, you know, that, that level of um, intimacy if you don't want it, right? Someone who's coaching someone else is really helping them learn to solve problems using their own skills, their own experience and, and reaching, you know, deep down inside yourself to, you know, handle something on your own, right? Like, like coping, the word you used was coping. Um, I think coaching and coping <laughs> go together, right? Because if you teach somebody um, that they are capable of solving problems on their own by, by using all the things they know, that is one of the most powerful things that I think you can share with somebody. Yeah, yeah. I thank you for driving the difference. So have you tr attempted to be somebody's coach? And, you know, even if it was a epic success or a failure, how um, did you go? What did you learn from it? You know, I think I fell into it because, like I said, right, my, my company that I was with for 19 years, when um, we found out that we were being sold, I had six people reporting to me. And I immediately went into like, oh my gosh, you know, I have to take care of my team. Like, even if they're not going to be my team anymore, I still felt very responsible for what was going to happen to them next. And um, I was lucky enough to take, uh, to be given a professional coach through a management program, right? Just one of the best gifts I've ever had in corporate America. Um, <laughs> and I just, you know, put all of that into action, you know, tried my best to really understand what everybody wanted. You know, you're getting the rug pulled out from under you and just understand what they wanted next. And um, just, you know, one person in particular, a, a young lawyer that I had hired, and she and I still, we speak every day. So I think I've entered mentor status with her, but it really started out as coaching, helping her understand what she was looking for. What did she want? She thought she was where she was going to be. And then all of a sudden she had to go somewhere else, but she didn't know where that somewhere else was because it wasn't her choice. Yeah, very interesting. You mentioned formal coaching. Um, and, you know, there's a proliferation of coaching on, on social media. You, you know, you, you have a lot of choices now online on the, uh, LinkedIn. 
Um, you have gifts of corporate America, as you said. Um, I, I've been given one coach, um, or actually I, give, I was given more than one coach uh, throughout uh, my, as an executive. That's actually a really interesting observation. Um, the executives are actually much more likely to get a coach. I did not receive one as a sort of, um, in the middle of my career, but I did receive one as I was becoming a first time executive. And then the executives were getting one in my second and third job. So I, I had coaches through that, which is really interesting that we think that executives need to be coached, but the rest of the employees don't. Um, so you mentioned the formal coaching. Um, I'm just curious, um, you've gone through it. What do you think? You know, was it worth it? Would you do it again? How do you identify the areas um, where to be coached? Like, what does that process look for you? Yeah, I mean, I honestly think if you don't go through it, you you don't get the sense of what it really is. Um, I do not have formal training. I don't call myself a formal coach. There are people who are very, you know, credentialed and they know what the heck they're doing. Um, you know, my my hope is that in the legal profession, we understand that this is a skill that we should learn as managers, leaders, even if you're an individual contributor, right? You can always contribute to the, the larger team by being able to coach someone that doesn't even report to you. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's worth it. Um, I, you made an excellent point though, right? Don't save it for the executives, right? Save it for someone who is in a transition. If you just made a stellar performer into a manager, that's when you give them a coach because they don't know what the heck they're doing. Just like I didn't know. And I got, I feel like I just got super lucky. I had really amazing colleagues. They were very forgiving. They gave me a lot of leniency. I did have uh, someone who was very difficult on my team and I didn't know how to deal with it. And that was super stressful. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's really I, funny. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't aware of coaching when I was kind of younger and in my career. Um, and I wasn't seeking it, it was sort of given to me. And some of the things that were taught to me by then, I would probably already learned by banging my head against the wall <laughs> yeah. many times and hoping not to get a concussion. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, 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 you know, I do think that, um, that, that coaching, a lot of coaching needs to happen earlier and it's, it becomes probably an acquired taste. How early do you think it should start? Do you think we should start all the way in law school? Do you think we should teach those things? skills and like seeking help is a skill and i can tell you it may or may not be natural to you to do that what, what do you think i i think it would be excellent to teach it in law school honestly right and and speaking of banging your head against the wall i mean i have had two concussions so i'm perfectly aware of what that feels like <laughs> i wasn't talking about literal you <laughs> see me do that like to, for clarity that's not what i was doing but sometimes it feels like that, no? <laughs> no. And uh, yeah, I, I can tell you the work stress felt a lot worse than the actual concussion. Um, <laughs> no, I think it would be. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, especially, <laughs> thank you. I will not try that at home. Don't try that Do at not. home if you're watching. Do ask questions. Now's the time to ask questions. Um, <laughs> you, you know, having dealt with all kinds of people, people is a, is a wild card in any adventure. Um, you know, some of the biggest head banging happened there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I think, you know, just like you, you learn to do trial law and you learn to, you know, do appeals and you're putting yourself out there, right? Like in law school, they do, we, you know, we all get taught how to present our cases and things like that. Um, I think it would be an excellent addition to any curriculum 
you know, these are leadership skills, management skills, right? Our, our friends who do the four-year JD MBA, I think they get really lucky, right? Because they get that next level of training when they're going to go into the corporate world, in business, et cetera, right? I guess the, the legal tradition is that we're going to law firms and that, you know, we're going to end up in doing case law and things like that, right? And, and the world is changing. I mean, there is, I, I've talked to enough folks who have MBA. I think MBA generally just teaches you to be sort of a leader. And mm-hmm. for that, you need skills other than accounting, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas we as lawyers are often taught to be a support role. And yeah. that's why there is sort of emphasis, I think, on sort of substantive skills and how to master the art of influence. That's a very different art than the art of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's very interesting that you bring a comparison to the MBA. I think there is a reason why they're structured differently um, and uh, why sometimes people gravitate to different programs. We're coming to the end. I have a few more questions. I would be amiss not to ask you about kind of technology and the role it plays in this coaching. I, I've, I've advised a number of businesses who essentially coach at scale. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, LinkedIn is a piece of technology that allows you to find coaches, um, you know, using technology. So uh, what are your thoughts there? What about technology uh, for coaching or using technology, reaching all levels, everyone, where they are, when they actually need it? That's that's what I love about it, right? You, you hit on exactly the things I love is that, you know, I can be sitting here outside of Washington, D.C., and if there is someone who is in, you know, Fargo, I don't know if it's North or South Dakota, um, you know, <laughs> I can have some sort of impact on what they're doing, right? And they don't get left out. Now that after the pandemic, you know, I've been remote for 16 years. I understand how wonderful technology can be for keeping people connected. But, um, you know, I think technology has not only improved the ability for us to reach, you know, people that we wouldn't necessarily be able to influence or assist. But, you know, I also think it's got deep impact on DE&I initiatives. I think it really allows us to, you know, reach out, coach, mentor, all of those things, and really look to that generation that's coming up behind us and say, like, we're going to, we're going to build you up so that you can, you know, not just learn from our mistakes, but also gracefully make your own mistakes, right? And, And technology keeps us connected so that we're all laughing at each other as we fall down, as we should. <laughs> yeah, that that is the thing to do. So you mentioned DNI, very popular conversation, very popular conversation in corporate America generally. Mm-hmm. I would say even specifically among general counsel, super, super, super mm-hmm. timely conversation, including whether general counsel should lead those initiatives, because mm-hmm. you know we historically have been the consciousness of the organization. Um, including because that's, you know, they're sort of related to law and doing the right thing. Um, so just curious kind of how you think of it in the context of being the general counsel, being a leader in your company, being a legal face of your company. How do you think of coaching and DNI in, a, in, in, in this legal leadership context? Yeah, I mean, a lot of folks, you know, especially in in the employee resource groups, right? The whole key is learning how to advocate for yourself and how to really raise issues that are important that haven't historically been important to the majority. So I think, you know, as general counsels or just the legal team in general, we're always raising issues that are unpopular 
and that people don't particularly want to hear, but we see a risk or we see a reward that they're just not seeing because they have a different perspective. I think GCs should definitely be involved deeply in the DE&I initiatives. I don't have a feeling either way of whether they should lead them. Um, I feel like there might be some people who are, we should support, we should sponsor, we should be engaged, but I think there, there are roles that are more um, suited, right? To, to being able to make that successful, to really push, because we get distracted as GCs by a lot of things. Um, but it's important to be able to advocate for yourself. And that's where I see coaching really, really having an impact in, a, in training people. You know, these are the skills you have. This is the voice you have. These are the perspectives you have. This is the, you know, strength you have to be able to raise unpopular or uncommon or difficult conversations with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, that, that that is a context specific question. I mean, it depends on, on the interest of GC and and, and, and what else is in the mix, right? Um, yeah. So let's talk about you know you, met, you you mentioned it a couple of times. Not everyone wants to be a manager, and in fact, like, I can tell you that in my career, I made decisions to have more or fewer reports depending what I need to focus on. Because doing a good job, you know, growing talent and mm -hmm. and and uh, and s managing, and I and I, I, I like to use more precise words because I think you have more responsibility than to just manage. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's 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 actually doing a good job of that takes time and and commitment and effort and resources and you know headspace <laughs> and, like headspace sometimes is a challenge uh, you know and i can tell you if i'm in the middle of a large transaction for example or i the company really needs my laser focus i probably don't have headspace to do <laughs> what needs to be done to to help this professional you know grow and mature and thrive so I'm just curious kind of how you look through, I don't want to be a manager general or I don't want to be a manager right now <laughs> because, you know, I, it's, it's, um, it's an important thing, I think, to reflect on when you take on a job. It, it really is. And I think, you know, <clears throat> people just assume that everybody who's in-house and legal eventually wants to be a general counsel. I'm living proof that that wasn't the case, right? Until I got to a certain point in my life and that centered around my family, um, how old my child is, where I had the headspace to be able to pay attention. Um, you know, I don't feel like I was keeping myself back or anything. I felt like I was making a really smart choice for what I wanted for my life. So I think it's important to have those conversations with anyone that you think, you know, is just well-suited to a role that does have management responsibilities. And, and I call managing responsibility. Um, I'll never forget my husband who is, you know, did go through an MBA program, was a leader, at one point led an organization of over 200 people. And his words were like, oh yeah, don't become a manager. And I was like, no <laughs> Don't do that. Whatever you do, do not do that. <laughs> 100%. And I was like, no, I love people. I love developing people. I love seeing people, you know, achieve their dreams. And I think you know, when you reframe what being a manager is into things like developing someone, helping them achieve their dreams, setting really realistic expectations, um, I think that helps, you know, people who are looking at you as a leader 
um, sort of absorb like what is that responsibility? And if someone truly doesn't want to be a manager or they don't even want to be coached, right? That's that's the other thing. Being open to coaching is a mindset. Um, you just have to respect that, right? But have the conversations. You have to have the conversations. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with what you said. I, I, the only thing I would add, there's a real difference between being the general counsel and number two lawyer. I had both jobs. Those are very different jobs. Yeah. Um, if you want to be on the cutting edge of legal issues, you probably don't want to be the general counsel in many companies. You actually want to be the number two who has an opportunity to pick the most difficult interesting unusual specimen of issues that you want to deal with if you want to however deal with people issues um not just on your team but on the executive team with your peers on the board yeah that may be the general counsel role it's, it's, yeah. a, different, it's a very different job um and just because it's sort of higher on the you know whatever org chart you have doesn't mean it's better it, it's a very different job um and it is it is People yeah. is a wild card and they bring joy and stress into your life. I'm going to ask you one last question because you mentioned that not, not everyone is open to being coached. It's, it's actually a skill that one ought to develop to progress. So, I, you know, and, and again, it could be a point in time skill. I may not be open to being coached because today I don't have a headspace. And I'm, I'm solving other things. So kind of curious how you think about, you know, like, so you have someone on your team who is not open to being coached. What's next? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really understanding what they want for themselves, right? So like teaching someone is very different. That's a lot of talking at somebody. It's a lot of telling them what you want them to know, what you want them to do. Um, I think when you express to somebody like, hey, I'd love to give you some coaching, right? To like, help you develop yourself, um, you have to define it properly. And like you said, coaching is a buzzword. Coaching is everywhere. People are waking up and deciding they're going to be a coach today. Um, I think you have to know what it really means because at the end of the day, it's about the other person. It's about the person being coached and, and you have to help them understand that this is a growth gift to them, right? And, and if they're not open to it, right? If they don't have that skill to ask for help, you're going to be beating your head against a wall. And, and all you have to do is hope that you give them an opportunity somewhere later when they're ready for it. Maybe somebody else is better suited. Maybe that person, you know, doesn't want to be in that process with you, but they can find it somewhere else. So I think you just can't take it personally. Um, you know, do what you can to really explain to them what coaching is and why it's, it's going to be an asset for their growth and development and when they mis make mistakes, you know, helping pick them back up. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I love that. I love the way you think about it. Porna, this has been a great conversation. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and okay. uh, I learned so much from you and I want to thank you for sharing your experiences and, and how you grew in the company and, and the opportunities uh, that intentional kind of, positioning and taking what you have in front of you have brought to you. So thank you for that. What is one or two takeaways you want people to get from this conversation? Yeah, I, I think it's a little cliche, but I want to say, you know, as you rise to a new level and as you level up, please always look back and think about the people that you can pull along. I think that is key 
to first of all, not having to do all the work yourself. Um, and then, you know, think about developing your own skills, right? If you're a manager or a leader, or you want to be a leader, think about developing um, the skills to be able to coach someone and, and to really advocate for this, you know, nice extra um, asset that you can bring to an organization. <laughs> and on that note, um, I don't have much to add. Do that. I think that's, that's a really fantastic thing to do. If you want to hear from more leaders like Aparna who are doing amazing things and we can all collectively learn from, whether it's career, substantive law, or, you know, your recreational ambition, which could be anything, let me know. Uh, please nominate someone that you want to hear from. And if that someone is you, nominate yourself. I consider it to be an act of courage to nominate yourself. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, thank you for being active and engaged and supportive. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I will see you next time. Bye, everyone.